This is Lori Frary, and welcome to Pressure Valve. No long intros, just long content. Hi, JJ. Hi, Lori. Might as well, you know, just kick this off with releasing some pressure here because it seems to keep building up over and over. The rest of the world probably going through the same thing from time to time, only from a different perspective. But I wanted to start out with uh, getting you and other people to think about something personal to them about what's going on in the world right now. We'll start back since, I guess, February, March, when this whole pandemic happened and they started locking us down and promising us a new normal and so on. So let me ask you, how has your life changed since the pandemic and lockdown started? Well, I I would say I'm sort of back to quote unquote normal now, but when they first locked us down, I'm, I'm a fairly new business owner. And um, when I went to go file for unemployment, like I needed it immediately. I was, I'm sort of not even making a profit yet. You know, I'm, I'm in my first two years and that sort of thing. So when I went to apply for unemployment, the site kept crashing for one thing. And then when I went, I was only going to be eligible for some paltry sum. And I also couldn't just sit in the house with a steady diet of news and be okay mentally. So I ended up having to go get a job and I went to Walmart and worked there for six months so I kind of um, got to see firsthand the public at large and their <laughs> general vibe, which was um, enlightening, if nothing else. But that changed my life drastically, going from owning my own business and um, I just being very motivated towards, you know, more hours, more money. And uh, this whole retail experience was quite different, where all of a sudden they're telling me when to be there, when I can come. I have a limited rate of pay and I'm dealing with significantly more people that are more frustrated. So that, that changed dramatically for me during that time, as well as just not being able to go to the gym, which, you know, I'm not a gym rat for any aesthetic purpose, but it tends to help me feel better. So that's why I go and not being able to do that was a huge damper and all the social, um, things that are no longer able to happen, all of it has been, has affected me greatly. And then after going back in the salon, I would say my business is still down 35 or 40% from last year because so many people are afraid to come in or, you know, they're not going anywhere, so they don't need to get their hair done. And that's just from an economic standpoint, that's what I've experienced. Well, uh, and I want other people to think about that very same thing about how their not just their life but their lifestyle because people develop a lifestyle over years and it you know changes with your age and your income and your work and all kinds of all kinds of things and so this is a this has affected everybody across the board in one way or another some way more drastically than others yeah. Uh, obviously some have couldn't pay their rent, you know, couldn't m- make their house payment all the way to trying to homeschool their kids, just all kinds of change, major changes to lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So what do you think the outcome of this is going forward? Because they just keep doing these short-term lockdowns from one place to another. Some countries way more lockdown-y than others. 
And even in the United States, some states way more radically different than others. They just keep promising, you know, it'll get better when the thing levels out or it'll get better when the vaccine comes or just all kinds of excuses, but nothing near sight that it's going to change this because every time you think things are lightening up a little bit, right? bam, it turns around. Oh, we have, you know, now we're doing more testing. Now we have more cases. Right. Every, every day, every day is the new highest cases we've ever seen. You know, I, I seem to see that headline almost every day. Like this is the highest death rate we've had. This is, and it's like, seriously, is it increasing this much every day? Or are you guys getting desperate and scrambling? And I'm, you know, of course I'm not denying that people are getting sick. So. Well, people get sick. Right. People have always gotten sick and people have always died. And, and uh, the more, sick you are going in and i mean health wise not healthy right sick um both emotionally physically medically blah blah then there's you know it's like they're constantly comparing comparing apples and oranges the last year this or 10 years ago that or this week next month they you know it's it's confusing on purpose and I think going forward, they're, I mean, I obviously think they have an end game outcome of what they, uh, where they want us all to be in order to say, okay, we don't have to worry about pandemics anymore and, or this one at least. And we've been through this now. We, you know, we, we've got plans going forward about how to combat this or that. Yet then they turn around, oh, now it's a new strain or so. So there's obviously a long term plan here. And it just seems to be testing of one kind or another beta testing from one country to another, one area to another to, I think, basically to see what people will tolerate. Yeah. Because if they if they ever really just came out and said, you know, Bill Gates has said, oh, it's not going to be ending this year. It'll be into 2021. That was in 2020. And then others have said, oh, we're looking at two years before this thing levels out and we can get back to normal. And then, of course, the constancy of the new normal, new normal. Most people now, it doesn't take long for humans to adapt to processes. I mean, go to any theme park and you quickly learn when you go to the first ride that you're going to be in a queue of a wraparound, you know, fencing for for right. 15 minutes before you, and you got to be this tall, just all the rules and the regs and the organization to the whole thing. So people adapt very quickly to new rules and regs except for those that don't except for those who you know stick your rules and regs up your ass and they they obviously have an end game plan of where they want how much control they want and where they want us to be by the time this thing is considered officially over if it ever is Now, I have a hard time believing that it'll ever officially be over because the war on drugs was never over. The war on terror was never over. Thank God they've never done a war on poverty because I can't imagine what we'd all be like if we'd had a war on that. And, And so I think eventually 
it comes to what is on the forefront of everybody, big agencies, big countries list right now and has been for a while. And that's the great reset. Why do they want a great reset? Because obviously, if you looked, that's been in the planning stages for a long time. I mean, Agenda 21 was planned decades ago. Agenda 2030, New World Order. Now we have a great reset. And so they just keep making these plans and implementing step-by-step in this slow drip method to manage us all. Now, some people will say, no, don't use the word manage, use the word control. Okay, I think they're interoperable or whatever, right. uh, interchangeable. Manage and control, what is the difference? Why now? Why this great, great reset? Why now? I'd, I'd look at it like, you know, and you can jump in there. They've needed to do a great reset since they just about crashed the world's economy back in 2007 and eight. Right. Absolutely. And the econ- economics and the financial systems have been propped up with fakery and fiat and loans and debt and everything else. And of course, all through Trump's four years of presidency, we kept hearing about oh, how much better everything's getting and now the stock market and now the you know unemployment and all the indicators are all so much better. Draining the Yet, yeah. Yeah. And except during that whole same time, they were uh, propping up everything with quantitative easing and money printing and the whole fakery that's backed up this imploded system. Well, I think it's, it's extremely profitable for them on a number of levels to to have us the way that we were during like the initial quarantine or the lockdown, because I the social dilemma, I think, from Netflix, I don't remember what I took away from that, but I do remember them saying that we are now the commodity, like humans are basically our data, those kinds of things. So when we're doing everything online, everything's right at their fingertips, you know, in a, in a database somewhere easily trackable and traceable. They can see every household, what you're taking in, who's getting delivery, what, how many hours of Netflix are they watching a day, what, what interests them, whatever. And, and as these controls continue on, I mean, we become mindless drones and we're just taking in their programming, buying their merchandise and comfortable in our own homes thinking, oh, this is what I've always dreamed of, just being able to be lazy at home and be helping the world out by doing so. I don't know. I think it's it's kind of brilliant to not let this crisis go to waste, whether it was engineered or, or just grabbed on early, you know? When you think about how the world has reacted Okay, you you've had various groups and subgroups who have reacted radically differently. For example, you have the people who, oh my God, it's so dangerous. You know, stay home, wear your mask, social distance, don't mm-hmm. kill people, don't kill grandma. <laughs> yeah. And then you've had the opposite people who, oh, this is bogus. Get back to work and get back to life, right. and you're trying to take away our freedoms. And and then every permutation in between obviously screams of ordo ab chow (laughs) order out of chaos create as much chaos as you can and then you get to be the one to come out with the solution and and you know save the day and the great reset would have happened 
regardless of how, what catalyst they used to, to do it with. But that's why so many people are calling it a pandemic, because, you know, they think that this was all orchestrated from the get go and that some people believe there's no virus at all and then you can't even get a virus and it's not real all the way over to the people who believe that it was a bioweapon released from China all the way to, you know, they're spraying chemicals in the sky and some people's DNA make it makes them sick and other people doesn't and it's some form of eugenics it's all speculation obviously all of us are speculating because we just aren't privy to the data unless we dig in ourselves and go research every aspect of this thing which takes a ton of time there's people who are happy as hell to be working from home i mean they're just that's their life's dream oh this is awesome and I don't even mind homeschooling my kids. Right. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about it before and now I get to. And and it's beautiful that families are spending time together. But yeah, the amount of messages I've, I've seen like that is actually sickening a little bit. You know, and I feel guilty because at, at first I felt a little bit like, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of introverted. And I was like, well, finally, like I don't have to go out and I don't have to feel guilty about not going out. But I would have never wished this upon us, you know, and it's, it's wild how many people are, are just enthralled by the fact that um, they don't have to go out. And I'm, I'm glad that a lot of people got to spend more time with families and bond with their children. That's an excellent byproduct of like turning the negative into a positive. But I don't think that that was, I don't know. I don't think it's the, the healthiest thing. <laughs> All right. So let's go back to the beginning talking points that came out, uh, you know, when they started this whole lockdown thing. And that was essential and non-essential workers. Right. Uh, That's part of their great reset because as far as anyone's concerned, the necessity to go out and earn a living or have some kind of a job was, is essential. Right. (laughs) I mean, it's essential in this world to make money, to pay the rent, buy the food on and on. So everybody's essential. And it was a way to um, make people think that the emergency workers and the frontline workers and and all of those were so essential at the initial part of the pandemic. Well, yeah, if you truly were having this horrific pandemic where people were dropping in the streets and people were quarantined at home, and if you went out, you we're going to get sick and you were going to die and bring out your dead with the you know trucks rolling down the street or the wagons. That's what people think about when they think about a pandemic, because growing up in school, that was what we were taught. We were taught about the black right. plague and the bubonic plague Ebola. and, yeah. you know, yeah. E- yeah. And you, Ebola most recently in that you, you, people were just dying right and left and that you you had to you couldn't even go and have a funeral or whatever or even touch the body once it's dead you got to just throw it out in the street and the workers came along and got it and they burned them and you know it was this horrific way of dealing with the mass death so that's this sort of meme that people have in their head of what a, a pandemic means and then add to that all of the years of the post-apocalyptic 
post-pandemic movies where it wiped out 90% of the human population or worse. And the only people that were letting there's no water and there's no electricity and there's right. no, you know, and all that. And it's just horrible. We, those of us who questioned the pandemic aspect from the, from the get go and started researching and found things like event 201, where they met prior to this pandemic and they expressed in their you know, talking groups and, and committee meetings and whatever that, oh, here's how we're going to have to handle it. And then systematically, after the pandemic was announced, they point by point did the plan. I mean, you could just tick them off of a checklist. Yeah, yeah now they're doing this and now they're having the the movie stars say they got the pandemic or they got the Corona and, you know, Oh, we're all supposed to sit back and worry about them and pray for them and hope they live. And it, it, I mean, it just boggles the mind that most people couldn't see this. And of course they showed from China, the people dropping dead in the streets, just there they are just dead body laying in the street and the, you know, people with the hazmat suits would come along and everybody was all masked up and everything. And that's what people expected was going to happen because that's what they showed. I mean, they, people didn't even get that. It was propaganda to, to begin with coming out of China. Right. So, okay. So let's take sort of a connect the dot path down the road checklist of the last nine, 10 months to a year and, and see why the great reset is such a popular talking point out there. You know, the bank of international settlements, the world economic forum, the, the, every major alphabet soup group is talking great reset both financial and economic, but, and that's the focus of it is financial and economic. And of course we have to throw in the green agenda and the global warming agenda, which was in there anyway, back all the way to agenda 21. So then let's add the essential and the non-essential and the upsurge in robotics, the upsurge in AI and apps and all of that being able to perform so many jobs that people were getting paid to do before. And don't think for a second that during their planning stages, you know, think about every major corporation is constantly doing evaluations to decide what is the most profitable place that, you know, things we can do to make our corporation more profitable. One of the places they always focus on is human resources because that's one of the most costly that in advertising. (laughs) The irony of that, right? But the the cost of human resources is so high that if you can replace a human with a robot, an app, or an AI program, then why wouldn't you? Because that's what profit's all about. Absolutely. So, you know, there's certain jobs that robots are just not going to be able to do for quite some time. Like, like your job, for example, with, you know, cutting and styling and coloring and doing all that to hair. 
although I'm sure somebody's working on it, oh, believe yeah. me. I'm sure. And, but when you think about service jobs and you know, checkout service jobs and, you know, window at Wendy's job and making French fries, it doesn't matter if it can be replaced with robotics, AI, or some technology, they're going to do it. And they've already been working on it for quite some time because they don't have to have insurance for, you know, robots. I mean, as far as health insurance and so on. And a a quick aside too, just during the quarantine, since people couldn't go to salons, I think some of my business was lost because people realized they could do their own hair. A lot of people just bought a box and watched a YouTube video or or ordered a nice color and, and watched a YouTube video and learned that they can do their own roots. And so now they're only going to come see me twice a year for a cut or they've learned how to do their own nails. I know I got good at doing my own nails. So now I'm no longer, you know, patronizing a salon. So that was another way I think, I mean, it's not terrible for people to become self-sufficient, but it did hurt the service industry in, in some ways. Sure. And, and if you don't have to go anywhere, if you're working from home and the only place, the only thing you're doing is going to the grocery store or or running a couple of errands that you have to run and you've got a mask over your face you don't care about how you look so much right right? you don't care about you can throw your hair in a ponytail put a mask and a pair of sunglasses on nobody's gonna know who you are so you can kind of let yourself go a little bit Mm -hmm. right and i mean i i i would say probably a few years from now there will become some kind of like uh uh, p- pandemic hairstyle, in other words, it'll just be cut some off the bottom, cut some bangs okay. so you can see, or wear a ponytail and don't worry about the rest of it. Right. I mean, all the gray hair was becoming popular before yeah. the pandemic happened. So when you, when you wonder like who's driving the great reset, all right. Well, one of the places you can find it or the most prominent place is on the World Economic Forum's <laughs> website. And you've got that snidely whiplash, creepy character, Klaus Schwab. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Klaus. Could you be any more creepy? Right. And and so you open the website, you look at the plan and you quickly understand that there's a wheel with sub wheels and spokes coming off and click on this and dive down deep five levels from that it doesn't matter whether they're talking about finance uh employment uh uh nature i mean everything has been thought of right. everything because they've been working on this for so long and the more money you have at your uh, you know fingertips the more people you can pay to create these databases and use these databases to create plans and schemes. Right. Uh, this this all sounds good on the surface. If you if you read it all, you think, oh well, you know that makes sense and that makes sense and that sounds good, until you understand that a few are controlling the many right. via this plan. And so when you look at malevolent or benevolent ideology philosophy of the plan it could go either way i mean if the good guys were implementing the plan and everybody went along with it and it made a lot of sense then everybody want to go along with it 
But if it's a malevolent plan, and what I mean by that is you have to associate it with all the other plans that have come along prior to it, like Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030, and go read the Georgia Guidestones, and it only takes you 10 minutes to realize in whatever language you're reading it, number one is take the population down to 500 million people. If you even tried for like a hundred years to do a slow method of that, you wouldn't get there. Right. You would never get there. Even if you told everybody you have to cooperate with this plan because they did that in China and it didn't work. Right. <laughs> it's a billion people. Okay. And so humanity is, is, is breeds and, and the more you, create better health and so on, which they've reversed dramatically in the last 50 years. People used to eat healthier and now they eat GMOs and people used to, you know, eat real food and now they eat processed crap. And do you think there are more than one group of people trying to do resets at this juncture in time? I think at some point, they are interconnected, but I don't know how high up that level goes. So I would say probably it would appear that there were different, but I don't know if they're ultimately all on the same team. I would think they would have to be to even try to pull something like this off. Well, when you look at most of the teams, for example, the Bilderberg Group or the yeah Council on Foreign Relations and then you've got, you know, the the Bill Gatesy avenue of people and and the World Economic Forum and Davos and just add them all up. The same people, for the most part, all attend this, these right. meetings. Right. Right. You don't get an invitation. I don't get an invitation. None of us get any input in it. You go look at the master plan on the World Economic Forum website and you, you know, there's no place for you to put input in there. It's not like it's open source where you get to go, no, I don't like this idea. What about this? If you haven't to, to read the latest one, which is just like a a concept piece written by a, a woman. And it's, it says it's the year 2030. I own nothing. I have no privacy and I'm happier than ever or something along those lines. And that was the wildest thing I've ever read. I know you won't own anything and you'll be happy. I mean, it was just so (laughs) wild, but I could completely see that happening. Oh, of course. And okay. So if, if the idea is control the masses, they obviously don't want the masses numbers to continue to grow. So They have to implement some kind of reverse growth of humanity method, okay? Whether that's some clandestine thing or a bioweapon pandemic, right. some kind of some kind of eugenics. They already take out tons of people with starvation, which they could easily do something about. They already take out lots of people with reaction to bad food, bad health care, drugs, blah, blah, by, you know, all the obesity and cancers and everything else. So they can just let that all continue to happen, which they have because, you know, they really wanted um to make some kind of a cure they oh, could yeah. have they they could have focused it's more on that for them for us to be sick 
on top of that, they keep adding more tech. Right. Right. It, the more people have tech, the more easily they are to put into the control grid. If you start wiping out jobs, then you're going to have to do something unless you just want all of these many more people to go into utter poverty. You're going to have to come up with crap like stimulus yeah. checks and universal universal basic yeah. income and and all of that. In the meanwhile, you're you're printing money like mad or they're not really printing it, they're just creating right. it and causing inflation to run rampant, which makes your money, a little bit of money that you do have go Right, less we far. haven't even seen the effects of that begin yet, I don't think. Okay, so all of this is part and parcel to the fact that mankind initially created these governments, these organizations to make life better, to order, you know, manage, implement all that because small groups of people can't do it on a worldwide basis. Small groups of people don't need to do it on a worldwide basis. That's why we have (laughs) continents and countries and cities and states. But once they created these governments, whatever kind they are, and you know, everybody, every American thinks that the American way of life and, and government system is the best in the world. I would agree with that, except if you become lazy and complacent, like we have, then obviously corruption takes over and power trips take over. And the more power you give them, the more power they want, the more power they take. Right. And the rich get richer. And so if you don't, yeah. So if you don't constantly and diligently keep after that it it will it will run away from you and and as it has and you talked about population control too i i mean i i know this is kind of a sinister thought but the fact that the virus does tend to kill off the elderly population i mean it from a purely economic standpoint i hate to say it but that would be the ones that you as a big greedy government want to eliminate because they're not they're no longer working or quote unquote contributing to society. Again, this isn't how I feel, this is just how they would view it. And they they are dependent upon social security and all of these other things. They're costly in the medical care system. So why wouldn't you, if you wanted to eliminate a large group of people, why wouldn't that be the group that you went after? And that way you can have pretty much everybody 50 and under, probably more easily programmed. Um, and, you know, and then... Well, of course. And what's the one group that it affects the least? Children, right? Children who have who have open minds Absolutely. and absolutely the know, malleable heart of children. Yes, fully indoctrinated. And but we start the attack on them early with, you know, the vaccines and the the, you know, all the chemicals and the formulas and the pacifiers and you've got to look so carefully at what's in your diapers and wipes and things like that. It's just I don't know. Well, that's classic eugenics thinking because only the strong survive, right? right? We don't want the weak ones to to last. And if you do have a weak one, like some child who got autism or some other horrific effects from 
the vaccines and, and the foods and whatever, they just ruined your lives too by having to be responsible for them for the rest of their lives. I mean, you, you, you have a kid with a severe case of autism. It's a life sentence yeah. for both of you. And so, um, then of course they're talking about with these new vaccines that, oh, well, you know, it might cause some problem with infertility right. and yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Might. <laughs> turn okay, into handmaid's so, tale really quickly, you know, and I'm not about to be offered. We'll just say that. Okay, so since government is designed to be centralized and ordered and proactive and controlling by its very nature, there has been a serious backlash from a fairly good-sized segment of humanity who has been anti-centralization of government for quite mm -hmm. some time. Obviously, the libertarians have been at it Ooh. for a long time. Look at the backlash, then that leads you to, okay, so who's who's the groups that are fighting it and how are they organizing? Because if they don't organize, I mean, if they don't become a, a school of fish or a, or a flock of birds or a herd of gnus, then they're not going to be able to coordinate their efforts right. very well. Those groups of animals, birds, fish, coordinate their efforts together for survival. Yeah. That's the purpose of it. Humans don't seem to do that. They're too individualistic uh, to, to organize that way for, for protection, right. which is why centralized governments and militaries and religion and all of the big central and centralized organizations have taken hold so strongly in society. And I feel like that's why there's such a divide and conquer, you know, effort as well, because they know that they know if we had a concerted effort, we outnumber them. So, okay. So back to 2007 and eight, which is the last cataclysmic yeah. event that we had prior to the pandemic, pandemic. After that, people started, lots more people started realizing that the banksters have screwed the system up and the countries have screwed up the whole economic organizations and the fact that a few banks in New York City and a couple in London and maybe a couple others in the world were going to crash because of all of their derivatives shenanigans and mortgage-backed security shenanigans and the shadow banking system that they had created, that they were about to implode the entire world's economies, all of them. I mean, all of it was going to come tumbling down. And as what happens with world wars, the same thing happens with world economies and world financial systems. Once one country gets involved, uh, two countries, three countries, then it seems like everybody takes sides and you have a world war. Right. Well, and once the world war's over, then everybody's got the hoorah attitude and now let's all get work to rebuild and make our economy strong and help our people and take all of this energy internally. Right. And then it becomes obvious that then that when that happens, you know, they focus on trade and then they start competing. Right. 
And then it becomes an economic financial war. And then, you know, it's the all cyclical, right? right? And so when we're having a world war, nobody cares about the economy and trading and all of that stuff. And then when the war's over, everybody focuses on that other thing. And then they start competing with one another. And then it becomes another form of war. And left to its own defenses, it it just evolves back into another physical war. So we're so we're now we're we're at supposedly the fourth industrial revolution worldwide. Okay. Everybody somehow decided that the <laughs> that we're, you know, now now we're having another revolution and we're all together yeah. on this. And they're all talking the same talking points. The talking points are level the playing field. Right. Uh emerging economies need a better opportunity than big countries like the EU, the you know, China and the US and and so that's what the Great Reset is supposed to evolve into helping this level, this playing field, because we're just one big global world. We're just Happy one big family, family yep. everywhere. It's a small world after all. Once now, then a certain group of people started targeting and understanding that this fiat currency economic system, financial and economic system that we've evolved into now is broken and it doesn't work and it's manipulatable by the more money that you have and the more control that you have and so it's made this playing field not so level yet at the same time during this pandemic um, episode the wealthiest have become wealthier and the poorest have become poorer and the middle class has taken the biggest hit which is where all the wealth siphoned right. up to the wealthiest. Yeah, now we're leveling the playing field to the haves and the have-nots. Absolutely. What has always happened throughout history when the have-nots get together and go after they the haves? overthrow them most of the time in anger. And then what happens as a result of that? And the outcomes can be different. <laughs> well, most of the time, it turns into, now nobody's right. got nothing. Because really, what is wealth? I mean, wealth has always been sort of uh, an illusion anyway. I mean, all wealth usually ends up being is what can you buy with the money that you have? The more stuff, the more fancy your palace, the fancier your car, the more toys you have, the more vacation homes, blah, blah, the wealthier you are perceived to be which we all know is an illusion because most of those sons of bitches are very unhappy anyway and just right. want more. Or deeply in debt. Or, yeah, deeply in debt, even though they they look on paper like they have tons and tons. But it becomes, you know, this whole, it's just been cycles over and over and over. And when you're in your cycle, it's very hard for you to look outside your box, to zoom out and look down and go, okay, what what's happened before that's been like this? Well, so many times, too numerous to count. We've gone through this, you know, humanity's gone through the same things. It's just been on a micro scale from you know, early, early, early mankind with kings and queens and serfs and and you know villages lords and, and ladies and all. yeah lords and ladies yeah yeah but now 
it, it doesn't seem like that is what the focus is. Now the focus is we still do have the same cast of characters, but instead of owning the castle and the land that you get to surf out your life on, they own Amazon yeah. and Tesla right. and Microsoft and Walmart and so on. And they okay. continue to conglomerate together and become more like superpowers. The wealth controls the dynamic. Right. It always has. The Edge of the World, <laughs> the book by Michael Pye, written in 2014. Okay. I have not read that. In there, he talks about the plague laws. And he goes back to beginning in the, back in the 1300s with the Black Death. I've read several books on the topic of early pandemics and, and plagues and so on throughout history. And every time people have, you know, scrambled for safety, whatever it'll be. If, if somebody starts wearing a piece of cloth over their face back in the 1300s, then everybody makes fun of him and, you know, well, like, what are you doing? And then they say, well, I think that the germs, the, the plague is traveling by the air. So if I don't breathe the air and filter it through this piece of cloth, I won't get the plague. So suddenly then everybody's wearing right. the same thing. Nobody's doing a study to determine whether or not the piece of cloth is actually stopping the plague because they don't even know at right. that point about or is it exacerbating, germology and is it exacerbating yeah. everything and giving you bacterial pneumonia? Who knows, right? <laughs> well, well, we we don't we don't know. We don't. I don't know what the actual plague plague was that did kill millions right. of people back during this Black Death. Once these memes get in the you know in the thought process in the memeology of humanity then it becomes sort of its own myth and becomes its own playbook. That's about the only reason I, the only word I can come up with there. But this has really been, this playbook has been going on for 10,000 years. Every time there's some kind of a plague, what is the first thing they do? They blame it on, well, back then, they blamed it on the right. poor, the indigent. Because they lived dirtier than people who had finer homes and right. not a dirt floor. Maybe they had a brick floor, a wood floor, and so on. And they didn't yeah, have rats yeah, in their house. Yeah. <laughs> right. And but it's but it's always divided people. You just look at somebody back then and you go, Oh, I bet they're they're like a plague carrier. What happened then was this centralized groups or agencies or governments, which would be the king and maybe the bishop, the pope, <laughs> the clergy, whatever, those who created right. the order, right, were the ones that were deciding. Back in old England, the the, the doctors, the guys who wore the, the brown smock, oh. monks, the monks, went off to school and the monks taught the other monks and believe me they did horrifically crazy things like bloodletting oh, yeah. when you were really deathly sick you had to let the bad humors out and so we had to cut the people their right. blood bleed out or so and of all the times did not do right. that <laughs> but that went on for that went on for hundreds of years 
those kinds of ideas. There, there doesn't have to be logic or truth to it. Just like now, there doesn't have to be logic or truth to this great reset. It just is because someone's planning it and someone's working on implementing it. Now, my question is, when is humanity going to step up to the plate and do the same thing, work together to counter this? Because the plan is not going to be good for us. Right. It is a control plan, and that's the bottom line. And the last thing we need is more controls. Right, but I do think that people are are very comfortably going to slip into it, kind of like the boiling the toad analogy because they're turning up the water so slowly. There are people that are going to be aware of it and re- resist it. But the majority of people, I mean, you talked earlier about how how easily we adapt to, I don't know, new rules and regulations and a personal anecdote. You know, I've been to rehab and uh, I used to struggle with alcohol. So I've been to jail, unfortunately, for a DUI. And both of those situations I went into thinking, I don't belong here. How could I let my life come to this, you know, and all of this stuff. But by the time I left, I was very comfortable with my routine. I had my three squares a day and a shower. And, you know, you learn how to adapt with to whatever you're in. So I feel like if they keep it really comfortable, which for the most part, I mean, you can get food delivered, you get your, your shows and, you know, a universal basic income or whatever to go get your little PJs at Walmart and and whatever else you need to be comfortable. And the majority of people are not going to resist that. I feel that's just my opinion. Well, that's proven out. It's already been proven out. Most people have not resisted at all. I, I would agree. I mean, yes, there's the groups that you've seen go out and with the protests on, they're typically, you know, called out as the deplorables right, or the Trump right. supporters or whatever that that pushed back. And, uh, and you've had your individuals who have pushed back against their local governors or local councils to reopen their business or not close it or not do the mass mandates and the put all the dots on the floor in their business for the social distancing. And most of those have been like gyms or maybe a restaurant here or there or a bar. But for the most part, all the businesses that I know of have done everything they can to comply with some of the most retarded rules (laughs) that I've ever seen in my life. Now, you know, I'm a fairly intelligent person. And when I look at some of these rules and I go, who, what, who thought that up? And I just witnessed one myself the other day. My lifestyle hasn't changed hardly at all. And the reason is I'm a homebody anyway. I don't go out and do, do, do. I don't go to big events and crowded places. And, and, uh, I don't even go to the grocery store. Bless Jimmy's heart. He go, does all the grocery shopping and the, and the errand running. I, 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 I'm blessed with that. And so some friends on New Year's Day called and wanted to know if we wanted to go out to lunch. Okay. I haven't been out to restaurants maybe five times since this whole pandemic started. So we get to the restaurant, standing outside, meeting from each other in the parking lot. And of course, everybody's looking at me like you got to put your mask on to go in 
Now, this was officially the fifth time or sixth time that I had had a mask on since this thing started. I Okay, I put the mask on. We walk in. We get the hostess to seat us. Now, as soon as you can sit down, you get to take the mask off. I'm like, is there a mystery yeah. bubble over this table that I can't see that keeps it's the corona absolutely out? absolutely asinine because I thought the same thing. Why am I safe sitting at this table, but I wasn't safe walking through? You know, it's, it's ridiculous. The restaurants are complying. You know, they're playing the game so that they can continue to have 25 to 50% occupancy of their business. Right which is insane in itself because if you put up the money to open a business that had 300 seats in it or 100 seats in it then the cost of having that the overhead of that place needed you to have full capacity as much of the day that you're open as you possibly could or your your overhead was was right. not going to make Absolutely. it right you were not going to pay. You were not going to no. crack that nut every Absolutely month. Absolutely not. And the and the profit percentage for restaurants is so low anyway already. All right. But anyway, so uh, you know we all know all the stupid rules that you, you can go on the bike path, but you uh, you can't walk. You can ride your bike, but you can't walk on the on the bike path because social okay. distancing, Corona. Oh whatever okay even though you're huffing and puffing more <laughs> riding a bike than you are walking but okay make even the, fl- I mean, the cloud of your exhaust come out faster and harder i think if you were bike riding by somebody than you would if you walked by them that's ridiculous or well okay i mean all the way down to you can go to church now first you couldn't go to church but now you can open the church and you can go to church but you can't sing <laughs> Because singing broadcasts Corona's farther, okay? It's back to like school when we were children. Some of the the stuff we learned and some of the rules that we had to comply with. If you, you were either a rebel from early on and asked questions, why, why, why? Or you were a classic, easily indoctrinated sheep. Well, I I was a I I've fought the system since I walked in the door of everything I've ever done in my whole life. I have fought the system. I just, everything about systems seems to be written by some, some power freak who doesn't have justification for whatever rule they're making. Okay. Okay. That's just me. Okay. So back to essential and non-essential. Most people consider themselves rather essential to the world or to, to themselves, their family, their friends, their circle of influence. So as far as the essential and non-essential people, most of us consider ourselves yeah. essential, both to ourselves, our family, our friends, our sphere of our influence, cat. even the world, our cat, right. But initially they sold the essential and non-essential as we don't want to overwhelm our systems. Right, right, right. So only the essential people need to need to go to work and be have any reason to be out at all. The rest of you just stay home. Right. And everybody was willing to do that because everybody believed there was a plague right. coming. Even I was afraid. The Black Death version of the plague, where they were burying hundreds of bodies a week. Oh yeah, I'm okay. sure I was going to get in and die. That was a natural reaction, and I I can't say as I blame anybody for that. Now. 
the terminology that they selected to use, essential and non-essential, that was a little telling. I questioned that loaded word term right off the bat, you know, because no one wants to be told they're non-essential, even though the reason for it seemed benevolent and good and smart. All right. Then that became a little creepy once people started going, well, just how essential is this essentialism? (laughs) Let's go to the hospitals and see if they have beds lining the hallways like they would be expected to if the system was overwhelmed. Parking lot units or whatever. Yeah, people sitting all over the you know, the the ER and and waiting room and, and beds in the hallways and tents set up outside and so on. And the tents that they set up outside were to me all a show because so many people went around and videoed those and there was nothing going on there. All right. So once that started to escape out into the truth world, you know, wait a minute, the hospitals aren't overwhelmed. And lo and behold, right about the same time, what happened? Oh, then we started celebrating the essential workers, the first responders, the frontliners. See, I have a good memory for all of these spin terms they used. And then we started having the dancing TikTok memes and the nurses and the doctors in the hospitals. And I go, now, you know what? Fuck you people. You're just punking us now. Okay. This, this, I just won't have, I won't have this. You just showed your hand. Or the sad nurses, you know, and I'm not saying that they're all fake, but some of them, I just got a real strong actor vibe from where they're crying, but there's no tears and they're talking about being overwhelmed and, you know, I, I definitely think some of it is real because people are overloaded in the healthcare system and they laid off a lot of people. So the workload of the others increases. I get that. But well, they caused that they itself it, yeah. by laying off people right at the time when there's a, a pandemic yeah, about to blow. Dumb. Okay. So, yeah, they had a plan. Yeah, they implemented it, but it was truly messy. It, 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 it was so transparent, so much, so many of the things that happened that, sorry, you lost me at hello. Right. Not you had me at hello, you lost me at hello. All right. So essential, non-essential that plays into the future. When, once that, once that, you know, meme got into people's heads, that myth of essential, non-essential. Then they switch quickly to working at home, working from home and trying to, you know, keep the people off the streets. Now that was actually a cost cutting measure implemented as a safety measure. Right. Okay. The cost cutting of having someone working from home is huge compared to large offices and overhead of having people come to a place. And so on and on and on, I could spin out every single one of these measures that they put in place that actually were cost cutting 
measures or measures leading into the Great Reset plan. It was, it was just using this idea of the pandemic or pandemic to implement it. And as long as you get enough of the percentage of the people to go along with it, and of course, then you had all the Karens and the people chastising those who didn't comply or just did or said anything about it on Facebook or right. whatever, any pushback at all. And so they already know how many of those there's going to be, how many of those compl compliance freaks uh, and marketers for yeah. compliance. <laughs> those people were actually marketing some compliance right. for them for right. free. And so then when, when they started talking about this great reset at, by that time, there was so many other things going on distraction wise, or people had just tuned out. They yeah. just tuned out. They got, they didn't, they don't want to hear the news anymore because it's just cases, right. cases, cases. And they, they don't want to talk about it anymore because they're sick of it. Cause they're, they're already programmed to be sick of it, of hearing about it on the news. Right. So now they've tuned out and they've all gone into escapism mode in, in, yeah, in addition to being antsy from being cooped up with, you know, loved ones who are probably irritating 24 hours a day and other things. Oh, I can't even imagine being cooped up with somebody that you really like didn't whether you loved him or not, didn't really right. like him all that right. much. And the, me the mental health <laughs> aspect of just the whole lockdown, I really feel like it affected people in that way. Oh, it, it affected hugely. I mean, the, the people that have gone into mental health problems and therefore into drugs, suicide, whatever other escapism path they could take, because there are different kinds of people. You got introverts and extroverts, you got those who need to go and do and be and and those who are just happy to be by themselves right. and were loving it. Um, everybody went to communication online, either talking on the phone more, which I that I did that. Yeah. That happened to me. I decided it was easier just to talk to people on the phone than it was to Facebook message right. or whatever, email. And but so, but they already knew what the reactions would be and, and what the percentages of people would be that would react into certain groups based on all their massive databases that they've been collecting for the last right. 20 years. Now they've been collecting longer than that, but I mean, now they got the most in-depth databases, like you said, social dilemma. They know more about you than you know about yourself. Absolutely. And we don't even know who they are. They are all sharing this right. information with each other. Now they're creating their own databases based on what their plans are for the use of the right. data. We was already right about the time that Amazon was already taking off as to be the biggest online. Well, they are, they were already the biggest online corporation in the world. They sold through Amazon over 50% of everything sold online prior to the pandemic wow. already 50% of everything sold online. That now, that's massive. Okay. That's, that's, that's including Walmart and all the little websites selling stuff all over the world everything. 
So add to that the fact that everybody's now stuck at home. It's too much of a pain in the ass to go out and try to buy things. So the next best thing is just to order whatever, everything, anything and everything you can think right. of online. Perfect scenario. Now, they already know that so much database stuff about you prior to that. Now add in all of the lifestyle choices that you've made online purchasing right. since then. Let me cycle back though to who else is trying to do great resets. And there are other groups. And there's actually groups that are trying to do great resets against the banksters and the economists and the controllers that are trying to take us into their great reset. There is the whole DeFi mm. aspect of uh, DeFi and decentralization aspect of an, another version of a great reset. And these are people who are creating um, the internet of value, cryptocurrencies, crypto assets, um, outside of the banking realm, payment systems, and, uh, and all that. And so they've been quietly creating these crypto assets because what did they figure out? They figured out that all this economy and all of this financial system is all fiat anyway. It's been crypto <laughs> in, a, in a, yeah. And so there, there was a way to fight back by creating this DeFi system and this internet of value system. And it was a backlash against the internet of things, which is a great reset kind of system because the internet of things is all about all the, the uh, tracking and monitoring and data and controls and chips. And that's the internet of things. The internet of value is a system based on trustless, fair trading of assets that have been converted with cryptography, but it's actually in place of fiat. Okay. currency. These are all a bunch of individual innovators and creators and, and uh, you know, digital artisans, I, I would call them, who are creating, which, by the way, plays into my supernatural construct <laughs> idea pretty perfectly. So if you have an analog world and a digital world, and the digital world is, the analog world was created and run by God, the supernatural being, and the, and the digital world is the matrix and the submatrix okay. and the created, you know, fakery uh, okay. system. Then you have the great war between analog and digital. In order to defeat something, you have to play on the same board, right? right? I mean, if you have a battle, you got to play on the same battlefield. You got to fight right. on the same battlefield. You got to play on like the same chessboard. With fiat, you mean? Um, they're two different right. things. So it'd be impossible to. But they're both. But they're both not real. They're not <laughs> okay. tangible. Okay. In other words, you you can't pick up a fiat, right. but you can pick up a dollar bill. Okay. 
but a dollar bill is is a is a monopoly money fake version of what a dollar buys right but it's going to happen whether we like it or not because that's part of the great reset now the question is who's going to be doing the controlling (laughs) because the internet of value is the people controlling okay markets are created by people people decide what they want Mm -hmm. to buy that's why they call it marketing when they try to sell you stuff so markets create value and they create systems and if no one if everyone decided that they hate peas like i do they might as well stop growing peas right no one's going to buy peas anymore and so it, it's the same it's the same with any other commodity on earth which we've had the power to boycott and control from the, the creation is what we want to buy with our fiat currency or before that our little piece of gold or silver or before that i have some wheat and i need yeah. a chicken you have a chicken and you need some wheat. Let's trade mm-hmm. bartering. Well, we haven't been doing that for a long time, but that's what the fiat system is based right. for is so that we don't have to carry chickens and, <laughs> and, and bales of wheat around or gold coins or blah, mm-hmm. blah. But all, all currency in the world today is fiat. It's all emotionally created to make you believe it has value that's a really wild concept the united states dollar the the it used to be backed by gold and silver i actually have a silver certificate that says you can bring this piece of paper to the treasury or to a bank and trade it in for a piece of for a dollar's worth or it's a 20 dollar silver certificate for 20 dollars worth of silver now, suddenly, when they took us off the gold and silver standard, you no longer, that, that thing's still worth $20 fiat, but you can't take it to the bank and get $20 worth of silver right, okay. for it. Yeah. All right. So what I'm trying to impart here is that the economic system and the financial system for hundreds of years has been fiat of one form or another. Okay. And so cryptocurrency sounds so scary, but it's just another form of currency that you don't have to carry around in your pocket or your wallet. You carry it around in a virtual wallet and you're fine. Which is essentially, I see what you're doing. Yeah. It's like, we're doing that anyway. It's not any different than a credit card and people, how long did it take people to suck up the credit card idea? Not long. Right. Right? I mean, try to live in this world today without a credit card. Honestly. You, you, you really, you really almost can't now that a lot of places and, and let's go back to the beginning of the pandemic, pandemic. What was one of the first memes they put out? Oh, we're going to have to go to cashless oh, because money's dirty passing it around from back and people are just passing dirty Corona 
laden right. piece of paper around with each other. So now you need to use well, we, cards. We had a literal change shortage for a while. I don't know if you guys did in Florida. Oh, absolutely. That, that all, just part it, of the it, plan. People were okay. so violently angry about that change shortage, but um, I will say. Well, it was because of the way well, it was implemented. Was they always rounded it up by giving, rounded it down by giving you your change, dumb, right? right? But I did have people like lift yeah. their fingers before counting out money to me. And that's distasteful, whether you have Corona or not. So I just want to throw that out there. Well, sure, because that same dollar could have been down the the G string right. of a stripper, or you know, just rolled yeah. up to use to snort exactly. smoke with, or who knows what where it's who knows right. where that's really. been, right? Okay, so back to our crypto analogy versus you know, with regards to this great reset, if the people had the notion that crypto is trustless, meaning it's all in a blockchain and nobody has to, you know, verify this, this transaction. Okay. Cause it's all being done by cu okay. computer, the blockchain. If you don't have to go to a bank ever again, the rest of your life, because everything is on the digital blockchain or on a ledger or in a wallet, all of these terms out of a hundred people, four in America probably probably have investigated at, in depth the 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 entire crypto space at all. Yeah. Now, okay. So if you have two competing entities, one is the centralized system, and the other is the decentralized system of how to uh, of, of how to do transactions, which is really all we do. The average person just does transactions every day, right? Right. Okay. They go to work, they get a paycheck. That's a transaction. They go to the store, they buy groceries. That's a transaction. They've been using credit cards and ACH payments and direct deposits and all of this stuff for decades. Nobody questions it. It just is what it is. And how many times did you have you heard in your life the bank is right. never wrong? You know, oh my bet my account doesn't balance. How many people even balance their account anymore? I know. I'm, you go to your I'm online sure. banking right. and okay, and all of these all of these bank accounts are free or they pay you some diddly squat amount of interest to keep your money. Right, in the bank. Well, mine charges me seven dollars a month if I do too many transactions. So that's. Yeah. Okay. Why? Because they need to be able to count on how much you average in your account monthly, daily, because every single day they transact with your money, all of your money, all of you people's money overnight on arbitrage and exchange and make deals and send money and transfer and buy stocks and go on the Forex and who knows what all they're doing with your money that you're not using overnight. Right. It's time to cut the sons of bitches yeah. out, period. We don't need banks. We're beyond that. 
just like we don't need governments because we now have the capacity to vote on blockchain, represent ourselves on blockchain, do anything on blockchain, that we've been having leaders and representatives and elected officials do for us and lawmakers and judges and everything else for us for, for centuries. We don't need them anymore. We have out-teched them. Yeah. Have they let know. you know that? <laughs> Hell no. But I'm telling you, and when I put this into your head, now you, all you have to do is think about if every law from this point on, you got to vote for, against, or ignore. And all of this was done on a website that you went to on your phone. Log in to gov.opensource dot whatever and you took the time to read any law that's going and it would be down to the point where this law will affect you personally this law will affect you on a state level this law will affect you on a national level and this one on a world level there are no there's very few world level laws by the way but there are some if you knew that you could just log in read the laws that are going to affect you that someone's proposing or Better yet, imagine this. You propose your own law that you come up with that you think will better make the world a better place for everybody. Okay? And everybody gets to vote. That's what open source hmm. is. Wow. Yeah, that would that would put the power back. And the blockchain ledger and the blockchain ledger does uh, calculates all of it. AI can be good, AI can be terrible. It's all in who's plugging it in just like the hammer analogy that I always use. Right. Build a house, bash somebody in the head with it. Same tool, different user. Mm. So what I'm trying, the word that I'm trying to get out, if there is such a thing, is to make people aware that this, this is, they have an end game, but it ain't over till it's over. We can still right. fight. We can still say no any time about anything, but we have to do it collectively because that's the, 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 the loudest voices. Right. Did you ever go to one of those singing contests or something and the audience voted? <laughs> um, I tried out for American Idol. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. They hold their head, their hand over somebody's head oh, who yeah, sang yeah. and they go, okay, we vote for Joe here, you know, grab right. and yell. And then, you know, Sally over here, and that's a voice vote. So whoever yells the law, the loudest or doesn't yell at all or says you right. both suck. <laughs> but, but everybody just keeps complying. And everybody keeps act, acting like everything is a foregone conclusion. And that because they have such elaborate plans that there's no sense in trying to fight it or worse yet, feel all beat up because they can't get other people to wake up and, and, and fight with right. them. And I, I'll, I'll admit I'm kind of there. Well, they want you to right. be there. That's the plan. And I've been very compliant. Unfo you know, I'm not going to say unfortunately, but I, I've done everything they've asked again, because I wanted to keep my business open because it's, I'm, it's essential that I put food in my belly and things like that, you know, and it, but I, I don't want to just let it happen. Well, but that's how the that's how the collective works, right? right? It's a series. It's a group of individuals that create the collective. And if every individual, you know, 
fights for themselves versus fights for the team, then if, you know, one guy goes down next to you with a hatchet in his forehead, you're just like, oh, damn, right. they're gone. Right. <laughs> now, you know, every man for himself. And, or you become last man standing and you have to decide, do I fight to the death? Or do I give up now and hope that my captors right. don't kill me and I can live out my life in, you Relative. know, yeah. purgatory. Yeah. So to me, that's the message. This is not all a foregone conclusion. What would you say are like the most, the things that I personally or, or one of our listeners could do a small step we could take to, to do this, like remove our money from banks and put them into crypto or federal credit unions or. You should do that. Okay. A long time ago. Take your money out of federalized, nationalized, you know, big, the big banks. Okay. Anyway, Wells Fargo and the Bank of America and the big guys, take your money away from them. And, and so they can't use it for their shadow banking bullshit and go put it in a, a small credit union. Uh, you know, back in the day, people didn't trust those because they thought they, right. they're too small. See, we, we're our own worst enemy. We we created yeah. this problem by believing the crap that they gave us about, you know, trust the big guys and the FDI. All the banks are FDIC mm-hmm. for the most part. Don't you just got to, unless you got $200,000 yeah. to put in there, you really don't have to worry about the FDIC thing too right. much, right? I mean, I, I, I banked at a bank that went out after the 2007-8 crash. I mean, they got taken over. The FDIC, I had been with this bank for 10 years, little bank, small bank, Hmm. local bank. And suddenly one day the FDIC walked in the door, told everybody you're out, um, changed the locks, already had sold it to another bank. And the bank reopened the next day. A new name and a new staff. Banner roped up over the sign with the new name and, and nothing changed. You still had your account and you know, blah, 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 blah. And a few of the employees got to keep their jobs and, and not a thing changed. But my point is, if you put your money in the biggest banks, those biggest banks are who are doing all of this shadow right. banking they're, they're pooling funds of money that are creating all of these fake assets and, and uh, mortgage-backed securities and derivatives and, and, and so on and so on. And they're trading billions of dollars in trades with floors like Forex um, who have less different rules, I guess you would call it, than, than uh the New York, normal New York Stock okay. Exchange, but they're they're making billions of dollars from these from using our money. They're creating more bubbles than they will ever be able to right. fill. The wildest thing to me, though, or keep is like it's not up. even real money. It's like just it's numbers on a screen. You know, if I if I hacked into my account and just put some extra zeros on there, it would look like I had thousands more dollars, and that's all it would take for me to have more buying power or whatever it's just like such a bizarre concept because they're not actually removing cash from my account you know and using that for it's it's just wild to me it's very abstract so yes it is it's data entry and data you know um changing numbers from this account to that account and 
And charging, and here's the tricky part, charging transaction fees and taking days yeah. to do oh, it. Oh, they don't they don't take okay. days to see a withdrawal. You swipe your card somewhere and that comes out in seconds, but it takes days to make a deposit or, or something like that, something that would benefit you. Okay, well, just as an example, sending money from here to the oh, Philippines, yeah. I, I have family in the Philippines and I want, I'm just, you know, example, and I want to send money to, to some mm -hmm. family member. I could get on a plane and fly there and hand it to them faster than I could send just transfer. Makes no payment. sense at all. Now, obviously that would cost a lot of money. So the bank being so kind uh, as they uh -huh. are is going to take days to do it. And they're only going to charge bit, you, right. you know, $25 or some kind of fee. Now, with blockchain, you can transfer the same money in seconds, and it will cost pennies right. to transfer it. And no banks are invo involved. Hmm. Yeah, I see why they wouldn't want that. Well, they are at this point still, because everything ha is going through the old SWIFT system. But if 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 and when it gets everything gets converted to blockchain totally and they're using all of these cross-border payment systems because think about it if the dollar is the world reserve right. currency right and you want to send this is another part of the economic and financial wars that are going on that we're all having to live through and don't even most people don't even know what's mm. going on other countries of the world are tired of the U.S. dollar being the world reserve currency yeah. because it's been since right. Bretton Woods. Every every exchange from one currency to another currency has to go be converted to the dollar and then converted from the, right. you know, if you're, if you're going to send a, a euro to uh, a J Japan, the, the yen, it's got to be converted to right. a dollar right. and then back right. to again. I mean, how, how insane is that? It makes that, no really? sense. It's like so many things right now. Because we were such a superpower for so long, we, we, we got our way for so long. But now the rest of the world, ever since the BRICS, BRICS nations mm. came together, and for those that don't know what the BRICS are, it's Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And other countries have joined their group since then. These were all considered emerging economies and weaker economies than the United States. But collectively, you add all those billions of people together. I mean, just China and Asia or and, uh, right. and India together. And of all the people in the world, I think a third of them are unbanked. Wow. Still, no bank account. Wow. And so all these people that are the unbanked and what they call the underbanked, the underbanked, uh, the, the unbanked have no access to a bank account and the underbanked have no access to credit. Okay. So try to do business in some of these small countries with no bank account and no access to credit. Yeah, that's not going to work. Well, you're not going to grow no. very fast, are you? So it's certainly been an easy way to hold them down, Absolutely. isn't it? All right. Well, they figured it out. So now they're tired. <laughs> so now they're they're fighting back. And they're all on board for the Great Reset. <sighs> and why wouldn't they Honestly, be? Honestly, yeah. If it's, you know, if all the terms that you're hearing is 
level playing field, unbanked, emerging economies, uh, cross-border payments, right. all, all of those terms. They're not talking about crypto, but the crypto, the crypto um, space is rapidly approaching $1 trillion. Wow. That's a lot of ownership of, of crypto. So other countries are embracing it much faster than the United States, the United States is. And by the way, um, China, who constantly now, that's the meme of the battle with U.S. against China, the, the way they decided to introduce their own internal crypto was they just passed it out to people. They gave whole, like millions of people $20 oh, wow. on, a, on their phone, on a wallet, on an app, and you could just go spend that crypto wand and just as like money. Oh, wow. So did some people, like you could just go out and spend it like regular cash, but did some people hang on to it? Sure, they embraced it. It's just like in, in, instead of pulling out a credit card, you just pull out and your phone yeah. and <clears throat> yeah, you scan a barcode. I mean, it's brilliant. Are we too too late now? I mean, probably if I wanted to buy one Bitcoin, I probably couldn't even afford that. One Bitcoin right now is, uh, last time I looked, is (laughs) $34,000. Well, okay. A couple more skinny checks and we'll talk about it. No, I'm (laughs) Now, you can buy buy an XRP for 22, 23 cents. Hmm, Okay. That's the difference between the different crypto currencies. One of the reasons why, you know, XRP... It, for example, is $0.22, cents, which just a week ago, it was up in the $0.60, cents, was because the Securities and Exchange Commission just sued the company that makes oh it for, for saying, oh, you, you're trading securities without our permission, without a license, and so on. I keep trying to reiterate to people not to fear crypto, and I'll give you an example. Now, this is possibly pie in the sky, but if might not be. For example, if you bought 50,000 XRPs at 20 okay. cents, okay? 50,000 coins at 20 cents. How much how much is that worth? Give me one second. I'm not that good at no, I'm not. Well, 2 times 5. So what? $10,000? Okay. $10,000. Okay. Now, let's say that coin becomes you know, chosen as the coin that everybody likes and they're going to use it and it becomes worth the same as a Bitcoin, $34,000 and you paid 20 cents for it. Wow. Do you know what you are? Like a, a millionaire, possibly billionaire. Now you understand why people yeah, are buying it. do. Okay. And now you understand why the banksters don't want a bunch of rookie billionaires running around <laughs> out there with billions of dollars to throw around doing positive things with it and changing worlds with it rather than the, right. you know, Fueling, the crooked, right. corrupt, the greedy bastards that have all the billions Absolutely. now. I mean, what did we talk about earlier where I said, okay, imagine somebody like Bill Gates, who everybody loves to hate, made the statement about, you know, I can take vaccines and I can give them to all the, you know, people, all these people in Africa and we can lower the population. Right. <laughs> and you're like, wait, 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 no, record scratch sound. Hold on. Yeah. 
you think, okay, even on its face, whether or not you think you're being benevolent or not, something like 9 million people die of hunger in some of those same countries. And you're giving them vaccines instead of feeding them so they don't starve to death. Starvation is one of the most curable diseases in the world because right. all you got to do is give and them which food. Which one of the two is more, you know, pressing? Like you said, if they don't have a meal well, in the next two days, and that's going to be the last of it. Starvation is far more, far but more absolutely. acute than, than the possibility polio of getting something. some polio. Right. Okay. So... Or you could take those same benevolent dollars from your benevolent foundation and you could um, build electrical plants or solar plants or water plants or, um, you know, grids or whatever to improve their economics overall, even while you were feeding them. Because feeding feeding people is just cheap compared to all this other business. You don't get a 200% return on your investment. You just gave them food. Having a good feeling heart and, uh, and valuing thank you is, is not good enough for you because it doesn't raise your pocket, you know, book bottom line. I'm going to go with, they're not real grateful about a thank you just by observation. Well, (laughs) of course not. Of course not. They're not about, uh, benevolence at all, really. So this is one of the reasons. This is one of the reasons why, after a year, I came back to podcasting is because this is in our face right now. I've been talking about these elements of these things: this this reset coming, this takeover coming, this control for a decade, over and over mm-hmm. and over. I pity the people who've invested the time like Catherine Austin Fitz and others who have endlessly, John Rappaport, uh, just have endlessly written and blogged and podcasted and interviewed and James Corbett and all kinds of these people out there who've been doing the same thing for years and years, warning and warning and warning. And suddenly it's here. This is what they've been warning about. Now, number one, you owe those people an apology and a big pat on the back mm-hmm. of support for for s- sticking it out because they could have pulled some run off into the woods and lived in a cabin with a nice peaceful right. life or or faked their death and gone away or whatever, yeah. but they didn't. They kept it, they right. kept going. And so we're at the point now where so many of the things are coming true and it's time for people to stop with the conspiracy theory garbage and it's time for people to stop comparing these people some of which i just named and including myself with those who talk about aliens and lizards and and uh and you know all kinds of really wild conspiracy theory stuff as to who's doing it. You're probably never going to get a peek behind the curtain of who's doing it because they're, they're secret groups on purpose. That's why they call them secret groups. You gotta be a member to get the, get to get the memo. They have all the power right? and resources to remain secret. Well, and it's the resources that matter. 
So if I can become a, a millionaire or billionaire or a trillionaire by making a, an investment in the future of the one of the only ways we're ever going to be able to actually control the reset, because we're certainly not going to do it with masses of people out on the street protesting. That is not going to do diddly. I'm sorry. The way to control is through the pocketbook. Now, you know, you've got whole groups of people talking to like the Q people talking about whether they're going to mass arrest these people and hold them for treason and they're going to string them up or shoot them in the, you know, between the eyes at, at Gitmo or, or whatever. Okay. When are we going to see that? Because you guys have been talking about that for four years. Five years, some of you. Yeah, we've seen lots of good actions, but we have not seen that. We have not seen that. That's not working for me. What's going to work for me is for people to literally put their money where their mouth is, because that's what it's going to take. By boycotting bad, bad players, by not complying with bad players, where, where's your backbone? You know, think back about the people who started this country, who started the American Revolution. By the way, do you know where they met? Do you know how they started making their plans and getting together and organizing? Yeah. Bars, yeah. taverns, churches, pubs. Those were the meeting places. Guess what they shut down this time? There's, there's definitely a... a a uh, comparison there no oh, doubt in my mind because those are the places where people met up had a drink relaxed got into some conversation whether it got heated or whether somebody you know said hey i'm mad as hell let's go down to where the constable lives and take our torches and stand around his house until he <laughs> stops charging us 10 cents for tea tax. Yeah. Their non-compliance, non-cooperation, all the nons. That's how you that's that's how you fight back. You don't fight back with violence. You don't fight I mean, you, you don't even I just saw the meme of or the picture of Nancy supposedly oh, Nancy Pelosi's house with uh spray painted graffiti all and you know, death threats or whatever and a pig with its head right. or heads pig's head blood all over yeah. you know sorry i don't know who did that but that's just crass it, right that wins nobody a, a prize right. and that's why I, I was careful when you were saying like those people that were going to string people up and whatever i'm really not for the violence of it all but i i get what they're saying figuratively about holding these people accountable but yeah that's the vandalism is no I don't understand what that's supposed to accomplish at all. Do you remember the name of the, the, I just sent you that video for, for uh, from Catherine yes. Austin Fitz, the interview. What was the name of it? Planet, it's something Planet about lockdown. lockdown. Planet Lockdown. I encourage anyone to watch that. She gets into some pretty in-depth connecting the dots. These are some of the things she's been talking about for years. But one of the dots that she connected, what is called disaster capitalism probably in the middle-ish of the of the mm -hmm. interview all you got to do is have the access to the data and she took the data where did the where did the lockdowns 
where were they the most prevalent? What states? What cities? Then she compared the riots, the, both the George Floyd and the BLM and, and the Antifa afterward riots and protests. And where did they do the most, where did they protest the biggest? And where did they do the right. most damage? Blue or red states or, or areas. Or cities. Then she compared, well, just for shits and giggles, check that against where the Federal Reserve Banks are. And there's like 37 Federal Reserve Bank locations across the yeah. country. And 34 out of the 37 cities and neighborhoods where the Federal Reserve Bank locations were right. is where these yeah. activities were the most prevalent. Now, you force all these people to lock down. They go out of business. Then to add insult to injury, you send in groups of people, and don't tell me that wasn't orchestrated because it was, groups of people to burn, pillage, and plunder the neighborhoods and down certain streets and areas. And then the, the big wealthy big dogs come in with their money and buy up all of the property at fire sale prices. Right. And now they own some very expensive property to do whatever they want with. And the poor people have lost their businesses and their insurance wouldn't possibly cover that. And so the rich, richer. Yeah, good for me, good for you. That's the way capitalism works. Sorry about your bad luck. Such a mess. Not only that, but these guys didn't even pay what taxes they were going to pay on their money, got offset by making these areas opportunity zones. Mm. So now. You're going to take the opportunity to invest your money in these opportunity zones, which are derelict, which only can use big, big money to rebuild on them because it's costly, right. right? Similar to many other areas of the country that have had terrible disasters. Hmm. And then wait a few years and, and see what see what goes back in those places. Hmm. Just like the corridor that the fires occurred on out in California just so happens to be the same as a corridor that they want to use for a high-speed rail. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. All you got to do is connect the dots. All you got to do is have questions. And you know what? You have to be a little bit negative to do that, to even have the incentive to do that. Because don't, if you're not curious, number one, follow the money which I am and always have been, because when certain events happen, false flags or, or disasters or um, new, new innovation that ends up kicking right. us right in the teeth later, like, oh, here, look at this great innovation, the <laughs> cell phone. Everybody's got to yeah. have one. And first we start them out real expensive, so only the most elite have them. And then we make them cheaper, 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 cheaper. And now everybody needs one. And now we've made the systems where if you don't have one, you probably can't even manage to operate within the system. No. You have to ask, why was it so important for them to give us this new technology? And why did we want it so bad? And it just turns out to be a big fat trap yep. is all. That's absolutely all right. Do you have any other points uh, that you'd like to bring up about Great Reset, Pandemic, Plandemic, or in, any of the things we talked about um, before we wrap? 
I do have a few things. I was, I'm just looking at my notes to make sure I don't miss anything real salient. Oh, the compartmentalization, I thought, I mean, obviously if people go watch that uh, Planet Lockdown, they'll get the gist of it, but it was just so concise the way she wrapped it all up and those and the fact that they're trying to keep all of these different things separate so that you wouldn't think oh the military space program is connected with big pharma making the injections connected with central banking and I thought that was just really incredible um, because that's what they're doing is fragmenting a lot of the information so it's hard to find the dots to even connect you know if people had the dots laid out I think more people would connect them but you've got to go looking for them also, I wanted to to mention the stimulus bill only because it's just so wild. I don't know if you have. Oh, wait. Wait till we get done laughing okay. before you finish that sentence. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Oh, just, Go I mean, the amount of money that has gone to like fish hatcheries or transgender studies. I mean, it was just the most, I couldn't even believe some of the things that were wrapped up in that package, you know, and part of me is like, keep your $600 and just don't tax me on it at the end of the year. You know what I mean? Like, let's call it even keep your money and I'll keep mine. But I know that that's not how it's going to roll out. So wild that they placate us with $600 while are these other nations sending us money for coronavirus relief or how is this working out? You know, nobody sends us money. Nobody's ever sent us money. So what are we doing? I mean, uh, the only money they send us is maybe a higher tariff here or there or a higher tax or something here or there to do business with our country. Way more over than that. We're the ones that are putting sanctions on all these. That's another reason for the great reset. If you, if they take away the option of, the U.S. dollar being the world's reserve currency, then we will no longer be able to utilize our power over the dollar to sanction all these countries to do whatever we want them to do and or not do whatever we don't right. want them to do. Because we've been sanctioning countries, economies, governments for, wow, ever since we got the world reserve currency. We've been using that as a uh, punishment tool, backlash against certain countries. And here's what's, it's it's like a catch, another catch 22. Think about this. The people in those countries are not the country. Any more than the people of the United States are not the country. We're not the government. Right. Right. We don't tell the government what to do. They tell us. That used to be the other way around, but right. not anymore. We've been punishing the people of a country with sanctions against the government, but it ultimately ends up being against the people themselves. Huh. And the people are not responsible. Right. So it's a, it's a stupid and, and, and unfair punishment. That's like... You're the one that knocked over the Christmas tree, but your brother, sister, and the dogs all got to stay in their bedroom for the night right. with no dinner. Yeah, it's unthinkable. And and so it's not it's not a, that's not a fair fair penalty. Not in, at all, in my opinion. Yes, there's bad player governments, but that's doing sanctions against the that ultimately end up against the people is isn't is unfair okay so what so how do we what are we asking people to do 
that and we're going to do it ourselves. We're doing it ourselves. What are we asking people to do? Get your money out of the big banks if you haven't already. <laughs> Look into crypto. Right. Maybe right. consider buying a little bit less from Amazon or nothing at all. I know I'm pretty dependent upon it, even for this nice microphone I'm using. So <laughs> it's tough. But I guess by by design. But yes, you're right. Try to find try to find as many things as you can locally and from people that you can buy directly from. If you do go on Amazon and you are going to buy something, let me clue you in. There are multiple sellers on Amazon. A lot of people don't, they just don't pay attention to this. There's Amazon Direct, which is called Amazon Basic, which is an Amazon product, okay? okay? Then there's FBA, which is fulfilled by Amazon, but the owners of the products are independent people and they buy the products, they stock them at Amazon, they pay a fee and Amazon delivers okay. it. And then there's FBM, fulfillment by merchant. And yes, you're probably gonna wait a couple more days, maybe even an extra week to get whatever it is, but you're buying through Amazon from an independent seller with FBM, fulfillment okay. by merchant. So the next time you're looking at products on Amazon and if it's not a lot more expensive or only a few pennies difference or only a few days difference in delivery, try to buy FBM or FBA rather than an Amazon basic product. Because okay. a lot of the Amazon basic products started out as FBA fulfillment by Amazon, which was an independent seller who had some product designed, made, built in China, built in the US, whatever. and Amazon ultimately saw the massive sales they had and they ripped off that product and they had it made in China themselves and buy it for pennies compared to what the, the, the fulfillment by Amazon independent seller is selling it for. And they wipe out the independent seller sooner or later. I mean, it's insidious what these sons of bitches get away with. That just people don't know. They don't understand. They don't know anything. I, I spent money to learn about that. I spent money to buy, you know, into some some programs to understand, learn from sellers from Amazon. And I came out the other end going, you know what? I don't want nothing to do with right. none of this. I get that. I tell you what's motivating for me as far as okay. not buying from Amazon real quick is just that Bezos, he's the one that owns Amazon, right? His wealth increased mm -hmm. um, by $48 billion just from March to June of 2020. While the rat, while I'm it. bagging groceries, you know, while people pack and cough in their hands. I mean, it should piss people off. It should make everybody mad. And you know, one of the things they did at the beginning of the whole lockdown thing too, Amazon told all these sellers who were paying money to you know, merchandise and warehouse their stuff at Amazon and be shipped and to be able to do the prime one, two day turnaround, blah, blah, told them we're only for a little while going to sell oh, yeah. essential product and toilet paper. And you don't get to sell your merchandise. So too bad for you. It's going to sit on our shelves. Oh, maybe we'll give you a month free. I think they charge 
based on how much square footage of space you're using in the warehouse and so on, but they charge a static monthly fee of like, I don't know, just under 40 bucks a month just to be on a listing there. And, and so all those people just got shut out too bad. Oh, it's going to be a couple weeks. No, now it's going to be a couple of months. All the while, those sons of bitches were sur- were delivering their Amazon basic products to whoever mm-hmm. wanted to buy them. Now, that ain't Agreed. right. People need to understand the logic behind this game of, lo- of lockdown and who's benefiting from it uh, the most. And lots of people use, yeah, they use Walmart or any other delivery service. But just try to think about about another calorie or two of energy (laughs) to try to think about other people and what they're going through and what you can do to help with your dollars you're spending. Right. That's a good place. Bottom line. But more importantly, just stop complying with this crap. Stop with the lockdown. And here's... Wait, this one. Oh, I have okay. to bring this one up. All right. What is the pers- the average person's avenue to protesting to their government, whether it be local, state, or federal? What method do you use to try to protest? And let's just do it on a local county level, because that's where a lot of these lockdowns were implemented was by town and city councils and, and commissions that came up with these ordinances for the the businesses and for the for the mask wearing and the social distancing and all the other rules whether it was you know you have to stay home what is that called where you can't go out after dark what's that called curfew okay all of that because corona goes to bed 10 (laughs) o'clock whatever time (laughs) oh god okay and and so what was your avenue to go and protest that in the past? I would does it start with petitions? Well, that's one that's one method. They they rarely worked, but that's one method. Call call and maybe write an email or call or do a petition. But the other one was to go to your city council meeting, county council meeting, where the commissioners or the councilors were there in person. And they gave people an opportunity, whether it's a couple minutes or whatever, to speak in uh, remonstrate against some action that they were taking or air their grievances. That's the whole okay. point of it. So what happened when, when Ugh, lockdowns happened? can't do that anymore. The sons of bitches all yeah. went to Zoom meetings. So then what happened? You could only talk for X amount of minutes or even you had to go get an appointment, get on a slate, be approved as a speaker. Couldn't just show up someplace. Hmm. I mean, let's add to the insidiousness of this thing. You know what? These, these people all didn't make up these plans by themselves. These plans were put in place way, way before. This is all part of event 201, the great reset kind of planned, like if then, if we get a pandemic, then we can do this. Right. There wasn't any more perfect cover for any of it. Like, and again, I'm not, I'm not sure if it was engineered or just hijacked, but it was the, the perfect answer because everybody was fearful enough of it. And, you know, not, not everybody's a virologist. So we just trust the experts and 
comply and go along. And before we know it, <laughs> we're living in some fascist or socialist society. Like Give an expert enough room and they will eventually hang themselves because they love to hear themselves yeah. talk. Yeah. Right? So you get people like Fauci and Red what's his, Redfield or Reddington or whatever his name is, different different ones of these experts. You give them enough time and they will say some stupid <laughs> shit. They will say, you know, blah, 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 and you got to do this and there's a reason for that and here's the rule, right. okay? And they would say for a while and people go, oh God, well, you know, whatever, I can do this for a while. And then the while became a longer while. And then a while became mm -hmm. a year, damn near already. And there shows no sign of it At slacking. All. Because they have full and utter control. At least they have the control that they need of the larger percentage of the population. And that's all they need. Right. And as long as, you know, they don't act too over the top <laughs> Nazi, then they keep getting away with the next level and the next level Absolutely. and the next level. And I think some people are just incredulous, like no, no one could be that evil or they, you know, why would anybody do that to their own? The hell they right? can't. Oh, I know. I'm starting to see it now. I mean, it, all it takes is go back and read some history, even the fluffed over history that we have now with Stalin and his Hitler and Paul Pot and Mao and right. oh my God I mean Somalia and just go on and on and on yeah there's 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 oh, evil absolutely. groups of evil but people. some people would just you know the ostrich syndrome as, as you've mentioned before of just I, I choose to not believe that that's going on because it's uncomfortable well if I stay home and I only know what's going on because I watch my you know I talk to my same friends on Facebook or I watch the same TV shows or t news channels or whatever then that that is all I know that's the skewed version for me all planned out for me my the the one watching CNN versus the one watching Fox versus the one watching OANN is, is they're all the same. They're all reporting their version of what you're supposed to know and leaving out the rest. Most truth is lost in the omission area. Yeah. <laughs> Just leave that part out. It's like uh, M. Night Shyamalan's The Village, those yeah. we don't speak of. <laughs> all right. I'm, I feel like we I feel like we made a good dent in current reset from our perspective. I always believe in giving people some hope or some kind of action they can take or non-action they can take, which most of the time is more important, not complying and not cooperating mm -hmm. gets you farther than non-compliance actually gets you farther than just about anything. I know it sounds, but the more it sounds crazy, but the more people not complying with something kind of makes them run out of gas or makes them show their hand a little stronger to where you really know what right. their intentions are. Because it, it's a lot of times they'll, they will veil their intentions with what sounds like a good, a good reason to do this thing, you know? Like stay home, protect grandma, right? Whatever. No one ever said. I never one time ever heard 
anybody say, all right, this is to you, grandmas and grandpas only. And those that are, you know, immune deficient or obese or sick or diabetes or have multiple comorbidities or whatever, this message is directed to you. You need to stay home. You need to make arrangements for people to help you and bring in things. And if you can't, we have this agency for it and yada, yada. The rest of you, be careful, go about your business and good right. luck. Now that I could have gone yeah, for. Same. That wouldn't have bothered, that, I would have been, yeah, that's proactive. That's, that's, uh, that's good. Get that message out. It's been a pleasure oh, again, always. my friend, to communicate with you. And once again, thanks to all the listeners. And thanks for contacting me and asking me for some new content. I hope this is the content that you may or may not have been expecting or hoping for. If you have some other content that you would like for us to, or topics that you would like for us to talk about, you can find me on Facebook. It's pretty simple. I have a public profile, Lori Frary. I'm that good looking woman <laughs> with the sunglasses on. It's true though. <laughs> Oh, that was supposed to be funny. And, um, and send me a message. I do actually check my, that's how Jen yeah. got a hold of me. Uh, you just check my, your messages in, uh, or send me a message in the messenger and I'll, I'll check them from time to time and, and reach back out to you unless you just want to send, you know, your attard <laughs> messages. You can just go ahead and get that up now. Yeah. But, um, but just the, for those who, who have, you know, maybe be listening for the first time, um, I did do flat earth conspiracy channel on YouTube for years and put podcasts out about that. And, uh, the, that group of podcasts has over 12 million listens and Jen and I did our first podcast together last week and that already has over 12,000 listens. So that's pretty good for not having podcasted yeah. for a year and for a new guest. So welcome aboard the crazy. <laughs> Thank time. you. It's been awesome. All right. All I'll right. talk to Take you care. soon. Bye now.